Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's episode is with Gret Glyer. Gret is the CEO of Donor C. Uh, Gret has spent three years in Malawi. Um, that's obviously a country in Africa, which a lot of you might not know. And uh, in Africa, he was doing poverty alleviation work. This included building houses for orphans and widows, providing mosquito nets to malaria-infested areas, and crowdfunding a $100,000 girls' school in a rural village. Last September, he moved home to launch his startup, Donor C. Donor C is an app that helps donors see exactly where the money goes, where they donate using picture and video updates. I'm really, really excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Grit. Hey, thanks for having me, Tayo. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure is mine. And, and it's it's funny when we were just talking earlier about how they people have described your app as, you know, you know, the Uber for charity giving. Someone mm-hmm. said someone said Tinder for charity giving. <laughs> yeah. How would you describe um what you do? I, to me, when I look at the different like apps that are out there and the different companies that have existed, the one that I like to describe, the, the one that I visualize the most in terms of my um, aspirations would probably be YouTube, actually. I really like uh, – YouTube has, has done something where they've like flipped the media industry on its head yeah. and they've dispersed power to just like normal everyday people and uh, – and then donors is pretty much the same thing. Like we're we're basically trying to take. Um, there's these really large organizations that are in general like very inefficient and often very wasteful and um, even maybe corrupt sometimes. And uh, what donors does is it is it gets money directly to people on the ground uh, who are who are doing like real work around the world. Mm. So. I, I want to put a pin on that. I want people to get an intro into who you are because I think that's really, really, really interesting. I come from Nigeria, and a lot of mm-hmm. times people always ask about where the money goes for certain things, and this is an app that definitely will help with that transparency. But if we go back, go back in time to like little Gret, when Gret right. started, 
what was your childhood like and how would you connect the dots to what you do right now? Yeah, so I think the funny thing is I had what I would consider a very privileged childhood. I have, um, you know, the son of two parents. I have very, very loving. They sent me to a, a very nice private school when I was when I was in grade school. And then when I went to college, they paid for my college education. And we would always go on like these pretty big um like trips, like either safaris in Kenya or we'd go to all-inclusive resorts in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, you know, that kind of thing. And so as I was growing up, I had a very nice life. And But at the same time, I was going on these like vacations, like specifically that one in ninth grade where I was going to Kenya. Uh, I remember going from the airport to the resort and seeing – people living in poverty all along the way and and realizing something is different about me and something like I there's like this massive disconnect um and so when I started realizing like my place in the world like oh wow I grew up and I had all of this I I, I was given all of this stuff um and it was just handed to me and meanwhile there are people who are just born into villages in sub-Saharan Africa who never have had a sip of clean water in their entire lives um I, I was realizing that I was when I when I was realizing some of this dynamic that that's kind of like led me along the path hmm. to where I am today. That's uh, that's that's fascinating and it's it's incredible the uh, the amount of self awareness you had and I think that's common with a lot of entrepreneurs that are creating you know problem solution apps or 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 you know any other any of those type of things that are actively solving a problem is that idea of real reaching that level of self awareness and then connecting that with a global problem and it sounds like you did the same thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm very numbers oriented, and I think what what was happening was I was putting together the numbers. I was like, okay, I like our vacation out to Kenya cost this much per night. You know, it's it's like we're talking like thousands of dollars per person um, on a on this like two week vacation. Meanwhile, there's people living on the other side of this resort wall who are living on a dollar a day or two dollars a day. Um, and when I started like when some of that stuff started hitting me in the face, that was when I, it was like, I had to deal with it. I had to like really look at it. And I think most people would be like that. I think most people just haven't had the chance to like see extreme poverty face to face. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's funny. So being a Nigerian, you, you, we have this juxtaposition in our, in my country where at the same time, we're the fastest growing economy in, in Africa, but we also have, um, 80% of people living in abject poverty. And then mm. that's that's an interesting juxtaposition to explain to people that I, I come across because it, it's the the disparity of wealth is so you know vast. Where yeah, you can have really rich and really really poor, but you also have systems in place where governments and structures and you know systemic rules don't actually disperse a lot of the wealth. So you know whether whether it's corruption or whether it's whatever, there is some level. Uh, that's not being trickled down to the people that actually do need it, and that's that's a problem. So yeah, um, let yeah. me ask you something. Did you in Nigeria? So like in Malawi, one of the things that was a that kind of creates this systemic poverty cycle is people like all of the most talented, you know, smartest, most academic oriented people tend to leave Malawi and go somewhere else. Yeah, and so then the people who stay in the country. Are, are not the best and brightest and um, that kind of keeps the country like 
in poverty instead of being alleviated out of it. Is, is that kind of a similar thing in Nigeria? Well, what we call it in the whole of Africa is the, um, the brain drain, right? So brain drain, people, right. People always say that. But, you know, I don't know. I think people are coming around to that because, I mean, I, you know, for example, me, I, my only country is Nigeria. So the only passport I have is Nigeria. So, I, I you know, I, I, I always say I, I live in Nigeria, but I stay here longer. But there's a... <laughs> gotcha. There's a, there's a connection where I, I definitely do go back, and um, it's starting to change now because more people are starting to realize that one, if it's just for superficial reasons, you can actually make more money back home by doing some of the same things here, yeah, or over there. Um, and there's there's just this growing idea. I don't know if it's in other African countries, but that you know we're the only ones that can fix our country. And mm-hmm. So I mean it's 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 definitely like that, but it's it's changing, and I've noticed that just by talking with people I went to school with. I went to high school um, in in Nigeria as well, so I have quite a lot of um, alumni that we keep in touch with. And gotcha. We have a WhatsApp group, so we're always talking about that. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, no, but that has been historically the uh, the actual challenge. Um, initially, if you look at for example, my childhood, my first nine years of my life were spent in a military dictatorship. So it, it wasn't just leaving, right. it wasn't just leaving for you know a better leaving for education. Some people actually left because of persecution. Um, that mm-hmm. that that part didn't happen to me, but you know some countries had experienced that. Um, but that's a great question. Look at you. That's uh, yeah. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So okay, if we if we stay with that, the conditions in Malawi inspired you to. Um, Start this app. What exactly, mm-hmm. what conditions exactly um, really just awoke something in you? Yeah, I think it was my first few months there, and I, I met this uh, this really beautiful, like, she was like seven or eight-year-old young Malawian girl named Emily, and she just had, like, the biggest smile on her face, and she was so playful. She got along with all of her friends, very pretty young girl, and uh, I, I learned her story. I learned that... About two years before I met her, her mom got really, really sick, and uh, a friend of mine was trying to take. He, he was doing uh, like poverty alleviation work in, in this in Emily's village, and so he he saw that Emily's mom got sick, and he wanted to help her, and um, he needed twenty dollars to get her to the hospital, and uh, so he actually had the email of a friend of his in the states, and he sent that guy an email saying, hey, I need $20 to get Emily's mom to the hospital. She's really sick. And and his friend in the States didn't quite understand exactly like how severe the situation was. And there's sometimes uh, sometimes people think, oh, they're being you know, it's corrupt or something like that. Like, I, I don't trust, I don't trust that. So, and, or like, there, there's all sorts of excuses for why people don't want to give money, some legitimate, some illegitimate. And so he didn't give the $20. And six months later, this guy from the States comes on the trip to Malawi to, to go on, on a little tour with him and a bunch of his friends. And they're going on a tour of this village through, you know, walking on, uh, we're talking like dirt roads, grass thatch huts, that, that type of like, this is one of those remote villages and blessings. This guy's giving them a tour and they come along Emily's mom and she's sitting in the sun and she's like, she's like baking. She's clearly in bad condition. And everyone on the tour is like, what's going on? Like, what is like, I've never seen something like this before. And, um, he, he, it was explained to him that because he didn't give $20 six months ago, 
she never Emily's mom never got to go to the hospital. And so she got really she got really sick and she got worse and worse and worse and maybe she was taken to the witch doctor, I'm not exactly sure, but she never got to go to like a, a nice private hospital which is what she needed. And so um yeah, it, it was it was a rough situation and they basically decided all right, cancel like the plans for our trip. We're going to our whole 2 weeks here is going to be to help Emily's mom. Like we're going to we're not going to do anything else, no nothing, no safaris, nothing. We're just going to help Emily's mom and um they they took her to the hospital. They they got her food, they got her uh, mattress. They they left her with a bunch of stuff before getting on the on the plane. And they got on the plane, they went home and a day after they left, Emily's mom actually passed away. And oh, gosh. Yeah, and Emily's Emily's dad uh, at that point ran off. He was kind of not super in the picture, anyways. And so I, I learned the story of this like really beautiful young little girl, Emily, and was just like, oh my goodness, twenty dollars was the difference between Emily being an orphan and not being an orphan, right? Emily's like, I think she's like ten or eleven right now, and she's, and, I mean, her life, she's an orphan the rest of her life, and she's disadvantaged the rest of her life. She never has parents now, and it was it was a twenty dollar situation that could have been easily fixed and so hearing about these that was the first story and then you realize oh this isn't like a rare story this happens all the time this is like this is the this is the what extreme poverty is this is just like these stories in every village all the time in continuation forever unless someone steps in and and does something about it um and so when i uh as I was like learning these things, I, I wanted to create a way to get money to these people in urgent situations faster than ever before. So that that was some of the inspiration for Donor C. Hmm. That's that's such an um, sad and incredible story because it really paints the picture. It creates that vivid image of what exactly you know it is when someone says people live on less than two dollars a day and how one of your you know one or two of your dollars per month can actually go a long way and. You this you saw that you you heard the, the, this heartbreaking story, and then you turned that idea into an app, and you're very numbers oriented. What what, what was the first step? <laughs> so how, how did that go? Did you just start crunching numbers, and then did you meet a tech um, well, or CTO see, person? I learned that story three years before the app was existed, or even was even a thought. I think that or maybe maybe like two and a half years. Um, so the first step was actually like I learned Emily's story and I, you know, I felt very compassionate towards her and I, I and I still do to this day. And I wanted to know like, well, what can I like? Is there some some way I can do something to help Emily? And um, it turned out that she uh, she was living with her grandmother, but her they were homeless and they could really use a house. So I asked like, how much would it cost to build this family a house? And um, and I, it turns out it was like a thousand bucks or something like that. So I, I crowdfunded a thousand dollars to build a house for Emily and her grandmother and her little brother Chisomo. And through that, there was like this whole ministry that was started where we, uh, this whole charity that was started where, where we we built houses and we've built over a hundred houses for either orphans or widows in Malawi. Um, but from there, I, I didn't just want to build houses. Like I, there was, there's more to this problem than just houses. So I. I, I looked into other things. So, you know, in, in the bio of, of this episode, you talked about the um, the mosquito nets where malaria is one of like, – it's like the number one killer in Malawi. Um, and then we did like girls' education. Malawi also has like one of the worst gender parity ga- gaps, which means that m- way more guys finish their education in Malawi than girls do. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. Some of them are cultural. Some of them are um, related to poverty. And so there's – yeah, there's these really um, – 
there's a lot of problems in Malawi. And I, I got my hands on on a lot of them, right? Education, uh, disease, all of it. And um, after after that, I, I realized, wait a second, I'm just like crowdfunding money and putting it into the people's hands, and I'm using like video and picture updates, and people are really enjoying it. I'm building this community community around me, right? That hundred thousand girls school we built. There were like thousands of people who who got involved with that. And they all loved it. Like for for once, they actually got to see exactly where their money was going. Like what would happen was that people would would donate money, and then I would. So like it was a hundred thousand dollars. So the first week we're like, all right, we need seven thousand bucks, and we're going to excavate the grounds. And so raise the money, excavate the grounds. All right, next we're going to lay the foundation, and we need another ten thousand for that. All right, but now we need fifteen thousand to build the walls. And we did this week by week until we just had a school building. And there's 120 girls in Malawi right now who are attending school. They're vulnerable girls. Most of them are, are one or two parent orphans and they have a school building that they can attend and finish uh, high school and then probably go into college because of this like crowdfunding thing. Um, and so I wanted to create a, a mechanism that allowed not just me to do it, but people all over the world. I, like not just like Brett in Malawi fighting poverty alleviation, but maybe Jessica in Taiwan fighting sex trafficking, and and just anywhere in the world where people wanted to do work instead of like going through a big charity. I just wanted people to be able to to just get money directly to problems. And a lot of times, um, like the people on the ground are the ones who are are best able to determine how that money should be spent in a way that's helpful and not hurting, as is often the case with these like really big charities. No, I mean, so for those listening, we're, we're chatting here with Greg Glyer. Uh, Greg is the founder of DonorSee, which is a charity-giving app that really, really changes how you give your money and see, you know, where your money goes. And that to me is so interesting because one thing that I want to peel out there is that that the, you focused on building that house and building a lot of houses. And I remember, well, doing research for you, you had said that the cost of your iPad is the same as um, a house in other countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that house for Emily, we built her like a little bit of a bigger one, but most of them were like a house for like a widow or a widow who's taking care of maybe a couple kids, a couple grandkids or, or village kids. And most of the houses cost about 800 bucks. Either way, it's it's not expensive to, to really change these people's lives in a very meaningful way. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's it's great that you quantify these things because when you're saying, you know, twenty dollars can go this much, you know, because the iPad can really help like someone's house, and you know, you, you know, you're, you know, you're basically making it human for people to see, wow, this is actually what it actually takes for people in other countries, and I'm taking that for granted, and I, and, I, and I love the way you quantify that, but something else that we've become is Facebook friends, and I remember scrolling through my Facebook feed one day. And you had this epic rant against the American Red Cross. Yeah, I don't even remember what exactly it was about, but you were sort of calling them out on something. So, how was you know how have donation campaigns been run um, so inefficiently? You know, what is the current condition for all these effective for all these campaigns, and why are they so inefficient? And what right. is your frustration with that? <laughs> the frustration is living is being in Malawi. I lived there for three years. I saw what charities said they were doing to donors in the States. I, they would tell donors, hey, we're, we're doing this amazing stuff. We're helping 10,000 people across the villages in Malawi. But then on the ground, they they weren't doing anything or they were hurting those people. So the, the classic example that gets brought up over and over again is like Tom's Shoes, right? They Tom's Shoes just like 
they they have the one for one model. You buy a sh- you buy shoes, which I I did when I was in college. I, I was like all into the hipster trendy lifestyle, and I I bought Tom shoes. I was proud that my shoes were turning into shoes for people overseas. Yeah. Meanwhile, every time they distribute these shoes to a, to a community. Um, in general, they're putting the local shoemaker out of business. It's not actually, and that's like one thing. The other thing is they're they're often, um, well, I'll put it this way: when I was in Malawi, I knew of a warehouse that was full of thousands and thousands of Tom shoes. So I don't know that they're even actually being distributed the way that they're marketing it. Um, and and there's all sorts of problems with, with with that particular model. And then I think like Red Cross is like they're like the figurehead, right? They have a three billion dollar annual revenue there they collect tons and tons of and massive amounts of donations um and you can just i mean google i don't even where where do you start like which scam do you want to go into just like just google red cross scandal and you'll have endless and endless amounts of results one a week if you if you want it um and and the basic problem with charities the, the status quo of charities right now is that the bigger a charity gets right when when charities start they're very passionate they're very like startup oriented and the and that's great that's like a very it's it's inspiring to see that but as they get bigger and as they establish more quote unquote credibility the charities become the charities develop different corners of their organization that are harder to manage they're they become inefficient or they become um fraudulent or wasteful and it's really difficult to do that and anyone who's worked anyone who has worked in a nonprofit office will quickly verify that that's the case um so the thing that i like about donor scene and, and we talked about how this was the same thing with uh, with youtube or people ca- call donor scene the uber for charity so like uber the more donors that you sorry the more drivers for uber that you have enter a city the better the app becomes because you've got more competition for rides you've got more people giving looking for the five star review driver and you you get picked up a little bit faster than usual donor has that same effect the the more people we have posting projects the more competition that creates for donor dollars and the more compelling people make their projects the more people add more video to their projects and create more transparency to their projects so donor is like the opposite of every big charity that's ever existed the bigger that donor gets the better more efficient more lean it gets as opposed to the opposite which is what's been going on for the last several decades hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh my goodness. Wow. But so there's so many things you said there. And, and I thank you for breaking down what that, how that you know relates to Uber because that just paints the picture. And you're very good at doing this uh, paying the picture and making things relatable to, you know, to, to layman like me. But, <laughs> Thank but, you. 
But something you said there that I didn't know that about Tom Shu. I mean, I had heard and, and stuff like that, but I didn't know exactly what was wrong with the model. And you, you said there's something wrong with that model where I, I think um, even uh, what's the glasses company? Um, Warby Parker does something similar. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. People have started copying their model. It's very profitable. <laughs> so so uh, yeah. So, you know, so explain that to me and people listening who might not understand who may actually. Think that, oh, okay, so that goes there. So why is that a bad model? All right, so there's a few things. One, when the goal when you're helping people overseas is you want to do things that will lift them out of poverty, right? So most people understand if you give an able-bodied man $100 a day, he's not going to get lifted out of poverty. He's going to create a dependency on your gift of $100 a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's not going to go out and get a job. He's not going to go out and produce and be industrious. Instead, he's just going, going to uh, learn to come and collect his $100 every day. And that an able-bodied man is a little bit different than like an orphan or a widow who's severely disadvantaged, right? Those people do need special attention, special help, because their situation is so drastic. Um, so in general, what you want to do is it's the whole like teach a man to fish instead of give a man a fish. Um, the problem with Tom's shoes is you have these guys who are who are growing their, their shoes business in every village. They're, they're, they're growing they're, – maybe they're a tailor or they make shoes for the village or they – they're a cook for the village. Whenever Tom's shoes comes in and just blankets uh, a village with shoes, the guy who's diligently making shoes and who is providing food for his family based on the shoes that he's making has been immediately put out of business by this very profitable corporation in the in the United States that's just giving shoes away. So that's one problem. The other problem is a lot of times people don't need shoes or don't even want shoes or already have shoes. Like shoes are often like not the main concern, right? When you're when you're throwing up every time you have dirty water, maybe people would prefer to have a well put into their village, or maybe people would prefer to have uh, mosquito nets put over their bed so that they're not getting malaria every single season, and that there's and so that their kids under five years old aren't dying. Instead of just giving them shoes, which is it's a nice gesture, but at the same time, it's it's not exactly what the people need. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a whole. Uh, a whole bunch of reasons. So the the general idea, and and there's a, a million things you can read about this. Poverty Cure, uh, Poverty Inc., When Helping Hurts. So these these resources talk a lot about the importance of ha- having people, um, helping people in a way to where they help themselves instead of giving them handouts where they create dependency. Hmm. No, that's, um, this is this is so educational for me. And, and <laughs> there there are people that do create that. Um, I forget what it's called. Is is it micro learn uh, micro lending or? Yeah, micro lending is a is a, a very good way to help for sure. Yeah, and and um, I'm even afraid to ask this question now. What about charity water? So you hear a lot about those, like that charity that yeah. builds wells. Um, yeah. Sure. I'm I'm good friends. Uh, I wouldn't say good friend, but I, I've met Scott Harrison several times, the CEO of Charity Water. He he's a big inspiration to me, and he's someone who I remember like seeing a talk of his when I was in college and being like, okay, that like that right there, I want to go like spend a year overseas and do like the Scott Harrison thing, and then okay. so like he actually is very inspirational to me, um, and I respect them a lot. And he he's like the leader of the change, like let's fix Charity Charge, um, and so Charity Water was started 10 years ago and they they do a good job of getting money directly to to their to the right offices and yeah i i don't have a whole lot of negative things to say about them for for an organization they they really have like they've they really have like started to change charity and 
I am doing a similar thing with donorcy, but in a in a different way. Yeah, that's good to hear because I was the reason I was was like, oh gosh, I, I've 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 heard Scott Harrison talk. I've, he seems like yeah. he's the real deal. I was like, oh, <laughs> he's the real say deal. He's a, he's a cool guy. No, I <laughs> um, like him a lot. Okay, okay. So he he inspired you to you know to sort of like you know to travel, and, but you've described traveling to a third world country um, as Malawi as taking a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by that? I think it's scary to to do something like that where you're going to where you're going to a country where there's a lot of I'm sure you get questions all the time whenever you're in the states people oh, yeah. asking you ridiculous stuff about what your life yeah. is like <laughs> in um, Nigeria and and so you hear these ideas and I even remember thinking like my first when I was first going to Malawi I remember thinking like oh wow I just I was like on the, getting ready to board the plane I was like this is crazy I just took my last hot shower this morning it was just a, a dumb thing to think like they obviously have hot water in in uh, like everywhere all over sub-Saharan Africa. You just have to like live in the city or whatever, but like they have grocery stores, hospitals, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and anyways, so yeah, I think that that leap of faith element has to do with, it's like the, it's like the unknown. It's like you're jumping into this new territory and you don't know how you're going to land or where you're going to land or what the environment's going to be like when you land. And it's scary. But then once you do it that first time, it's only a leap of faith the first time. After that, it's it's just normal. You just like you just do it. It's just it's fine. It's easy. Um, so I could go. I feel like I could just like land in any country. Like I was looking at buying tickets to um, either Iraq or Syria a couple months ago because I just want to like, like go over there and, and like see like like use donors to help the people over there. Um, so yeah, I I I think that leap of faith comes from it's it's like the unknown. It's like scary the first time you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right about the questions that I get. And it's. I think it's just a matter of exposure. And I, I, once again, my favorite thing about you is your level of self-awareness because I think the ability to ask the questions, even though they might seem stupid, is, is, is still a good question, even though you know the person being asked a question might be offended. I remember when I first came here, and I did get asked those questions, and I thought I was being punked, and I thought people were asking <laughs> yeah. me legitimately if I slept in huts or if uh, I had yeah. rotor lions and stuff like that, and... After a few times when I was a little offended, I, I just started to see it as an educational opportunity. And that's part of why this podcast is here, by the way. It, it's to educate people on the global and digital world that we live in. I find that a lot of people don't actually know the world mm-hmm. they live in. Like whether it's the amount of people on the other side of the world who are living in, the, in these conditions or even people who are living in great conditions, what um, what actually goes on and yeah. why the media is not portraying the right stories. And as an African myself, one of the things that I, I constantly fight is to change the narrative and, and for us to question that. So mm-hmm. um, so love the fact that you, you brought that up. And, and really, even if you, it's better to ask a stupid question now than to, to allow your whole world <laughs> to be informed <laughs> by that worldview, because then you know you perpetuate certain stereotypes, which could be dangerous as you start to reproduce and get more generations down the line. Um, yeah, I, I gotta say you've got to be one of the most like kindred spirits of any of the like podcasts or interviews I've done, just because what you're saying, uh, like the number of people on the other side of the world, the conditions that other people in different parts of the world live, these are things that are are such stark realities in my mind and your mind but like really hard to communicate to someone who just like hasn't if you just like haven't seen it face to face if you like haven't traveled there it's just like it's really difficult to have people understand or explain it to them no thank you but that's that's why i mean when our mutual friend introduced us i i guess he felt like you'd be a good fit but 
what you're doing is actually helping that. I, I think a lot of people don't know what they don't know, and then and you being able to show those videos and show that it, it's it's an interesting way to to really create that empathy that people might not have. And we live in very interesting times now, where a lot of people are now starting to come to terms with the fact that there are really disenfranchised people. Whether it doesn't doesn't matter what what side of the politics. You you are and everybody knows where I stand, but you know, <laughs> but it doesn't even matter what side of the politics you are. You you do have factions where people are now becoming empowered to to fight for different voices with different rights because this for some people this is the first time they've, that they've experienced that. Now, mm-hmm. if you're going to empathize that and and try and connect that to what goes on in the rest of the world, you can now see well some people didn't even get to see what your before was. They just mm-hmm. live you after every day and. And that's been a reality for them. So I think, you know, having you on the show and, and talking to to people and, and just changing my mindset a little bit about, you know, using stupid questions as an as an education opportunity. Actually it's not stupid questions too harsh. Using questions as an education opportunity. Right, um, yeah. I think just ignorant. Maybe. Yeah, ignorance. I, I think that, that that does help. And uh ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Greg Glyer, who is is he twenty six or twenty seven? 26. So 26, so we're a year apart, and he's lived in Malawi where he crowdfunded um, for a girl's, a girl's school there, and he crowdfunded $100,000. And we're talking about his, uh, his revolution in a new app. You are going to close soon, but the thing that, I'm, that I always champion for, in, in, you know, this, you know, the whole reason, like I said, for this is to, for me, is to help influence the next set of global leaders. And one of the ways to do that is to educate and change the current narrative around media. There's this idea of gender, um, the gender gap. I'm a, I always describe myself as a feminist, but I've, I've created certain videos around these gender gender gaps. And there are people that disagree. And when they disagree, they are very vocal. I think mm-hmm. they, uh, they basically have called me subservient and someone that's basically trying to get laid by uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm not even kidding. These are comments I've had on YouTube, and yeah. but what strikes me as 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 uh, as interesting about some of their responses is that they they legitimately don't agree that women are at a disadvantaged position. You've seen this, mm-hmm. I've seen this, but when you were in Malawi, you you raised up, you raised a great point about how women. Um, don't necessarily get the same opportunities as, as as men do sometimes, and that does affect as you people as you grow older. Can you just talk about that a little bit so that you can shed some light on why we really need to focus on the patriarchal world that we have right now? Yeah, so that is a like a multifaceted, very interesting question and a very interesting point. And I, I think, um, I guess I would want to make a distinction between like the the uh, the rights that women have in the states and then the rights that women have globally. Because I, I think, yeah, yeah, from what I can tell, um, I, from what I can tell, like the, the the rights that women have in the states are, are much much. I don't know if I don't know if they're equal with men, and I I'm, I might even say that they're probably not. Um, I haven't done like enough research to speak to that, but I can say that they're far better than rights of either like women in the Middle East who have to wear veils over their faces or women in Africa who are there's just like a cultural expectation that like it's okay for your husband to beat you or it's so like you just have to 
do every like literally like do everything like you have yeah. to cook clean take care of the kids maybe farm like you are in charge of everything and meanwhile like the husband like emily's mom and dad are a perfect example from earlier emily's mom did everything the husband was just like an alcohol abusive alcoholic jerk and as soon as emily's mom died um but which by the way i didn't mention this earlier it's like a little bit too sad to mention but the reason that she was sick was because emily's dad was beating her um so like these yeah, these are, are very real issues and fighting for um, like the reason I picked a girl's school to crowdfund in Malawi is because that has to be like there's a few things that are just like these are unquestionably the best ways to fight poverty. Girls education has is, is at the top of that list. It's one of those things that you provide uh, females with education, you give them the same rights, you, you empower them, and it really changes the dynamic um, and the direction of that community. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, it's and and when we're, you know, Greg and I are talking about this, it's not, you know, when we're champions for gender equality, it's it's a global issue, right? I it's more of we need to do better as a world and and people who have certain amount of privileges to to fix what goes on, what is trafficking in in Southeast Asia or even in in other countries. Some trafficking goes on here actually, believe it or not. Or or just raising kids and, and girls to believe in themselves and, and see themselves as much more than um, subservient or, or subordinates to, to whatever males they get there. And some of the conditions, these are certainly not the conditions in all of African cities and all that, you know, because some cities are, a lot of cities are very, very different. But if you go into some rural areas, it is very common for women to be to be hit on. It's very common for women to be raped at a preteen age, and it's very common mm-hmm. for a lot of women to be conditioned to think that that's okay. Now, yeah. Um. You know, there's, there's this this video that's been going around with Ashton Kutcher's, who's also, I guess, he's doing similar thing. He's creating an app, but it's focused on trafficking. And and this is very graphic. So if you've got kids, please pause for like a few minutes. <laughs> but he talked about. Um, how he was watching a video of someone who was as old as his daughter, and his daughters are at three, and he was forced to watch this disgusting man do something to her that no one should yeah. do. And they were the last line of defense because they were trying to find like some home for her. And these are just the realities that we, um, a lot of people in the Western world don't get to see on a regular basis. So when charities that are supposed to be fixing these issues take the money, and do it for something else, I really, 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 really get mad. I mean, that that bothers mm-hmm. me to to the to the highest extent. And I've I've grown up in in cultures where that are legitimately corrupt. So I I see the corruption on a daily basis. So when I start to see that from charities as well, it bothers me to no end. And it, it it's one of the few ways to get me really angry because you're not solving the problem. So right. I really, really appreciate the app that you're creating because not only is it showing that transparency, but it's creating images in people's faces where they are able to tap into that empathetic uh, muscle that I feel like we all have. Um, and I hope some presidents have. Uh, <laughs> but, um, um, so thank you. I, I guess that's why I was saying all that. That was why I went into that monologue because I think it's really important to to understand that being a feminist is not... Yes, yeah, some people say that it's, it's a cool tag, makes you... You know, <laughs> cool with your female friends, all that, but it's it's a it's a human issue, human yeah. rights issue. So, yeah, I I agree. Like I, I think, uh, especially from the the like global perspective, man, 
talk about like a, a minority group, talk about like a, a severely disadvantaged group. Um, like I, I, I think about Emily quite a bit, and I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just grateful that that you're like willing to be outspoken about it and willing to accept criticism about it because it, it's, um, there's there's so much, uh, so much like tension around around that issue and. Especially once you like bring it out to the global perspective, and you and you help people understand. Like I just posted a, v- a video on Donorsy yesterday morning of a of a mom who every morning there's this there's this girl who was born five months premature, and she uh, she's 13 now and she's going to school, but her body is kind of contorted. And so every morning, her this mom picks this girl up on her shoulders, this 13 year old girl, and walks her to school every single day. And so we were using Donorsy to, to fundraise a uh, a wheelchair to so that she doesn't have to do that anymore mm-hmm. and but i mean there's like these incredible incredible people who are who, who are basically voiceless and i'm, I'm glad that, that you're there speaking out for them i mean i mean i, I don't know it, it's it's thank you so much and it's uh, it's always it's very very hard for me to make through these interviews because i always get very emotional um but yes yeah. yeah i mean if i get a few youtube comments you know yell at me and and call me all sorts of names or death threats that I don't know that that's, uh, you know, that, that's as serious as what goes on in any parts of the world. So right. know, it's, I, I think being a voice for the voice is something we should all do. And, and what you're doing is, is attacking, attacking global problems with local solutions and you're empowering the, the locals there to, to be more sustainable. Um, so it, it, it's great. And so I, I love, you know, what, what you do and where can people find out? more about you though if they were to look and be interested in that yeah sure so uh greg liar at greg liar at twitter g-r-e-t-g-l-y-e-r you can also uh if you want follow me on donor c so just go donor c and type in my name greg liar and you can follow me on there and what that means is that anytime i post a new project like that girl who needed a wheelchair you'll get like a little notification on your phone saying hey greg just posted a project and you can give to it or you can just like follow along and see like uh, the the whole premise of donor c is whenever you Whenever you give money, if uh, we'll show you like for the girl with the wheelchair, uh, whenever she gets her wheelchair, we'll like video it and send it back to the donors. So oh, wow. for every every project on Donorsy, you get to see exactly where your money's going. So um, if another example is like if there's a girl who needs a hearing aid in Nigeria and you donate the 150 bucks to get her a hearing aid, you'll get a video of her hearing for the first time. It's, it's like that type of dynamic. So a really great app, very fun, very addictive, and you should follow me on it. All right, there you go. Go. Um, it's uh, Greg Liar and DonorC.com, right? DonorC.com, or it's an app mm-hmm. you can download. Is it's it, both. Is it, yeah. Is it uh, Android friendly and um, yep. Mac, Apple friendly? I'm I'm an Apple person, but you know. Apple, yeah, I am too. But it's on Android, it's on Apple, and it's on just DonorC.com. So right. anywhere. Okay, we'll definitely put that in insurance and let people know. But before we go, we've got to ask you the, the mission statement question here, which is the reason why everything is done. I, I believe in the idea of using your difference to make a difference. So my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference, um, mm. taking the idea of inclusion and tying the mission element to that. So how do you use your difference to make a difference, Greg? Yeah, I think donorcy is, is a result of the various experiences and talents that I have. So like over over the last several years, I got gotten involved in poverty alleviation work. I, I built a platform around the idea of like fund crowdfunding um, and getting money directly to people. And I also like, as you know, like I, I make a lot of videos and I, I am very passionate about like not just not just uh, video for the sake of communication, but also video for the sake of of like art and expressing things. And like one of my dreams one day is to um, is to create a video that helps people really empathize with 
the other half of the world, the one that you and I were talking about, that's really hard to express. I would love to create like a help fund like a movie or something like that 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 expresses that. So yeah, my whole uh, all the, the various mix of my of my talents has created this this app that I'm really passionate about. Well, there you have it, Greg. Using this difference to make a difference by com- combining his talents to tell the stories that aren't being told and being a voice for the voiceless. Um, I want to thank you. Thank you for, for coming to the show. This is a great way to to wake up <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Thank you for coming to the show. Um, I really, really admire what you're doing, and um, I can't wait to get this episode out there. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure is mine. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.